Welcome to the Daily Fantasy Fringe Podcast. So, fanvice, eh? Two days a week, not going to do the five days a week anymore. Say, oh no, why? Well, the five days a week strategy was just to get enough content on iTunes to get that thing rolling to boost some SEO. There was never, ever, ever an intent to do a podcast every single day. It's just too much. Um, you end up with lackluster shows. I'm not really planning on doing that. If I would do a daily show, it would be a daily video show, which we could possibly do here at the French Podcast through my video production team which is me but I don't want to do that at the moment that might come periodically eventually who knows but uh, the podcast is going to be on typically I think I'm going to release it on Mondays and look forward and then on Thursdays and look forward so specifically today which is Tuesday it should be Monday but I'm going to release uh, talk about Wednesday DFS things over the weekend something that has a little bit more legs so there's a heads up there DFS changes here you got the which I discovered yesterday, thanks to Soup Sandwich, which was Fanvice is a new website that has been launched. Some strange, I don't know if it's strange things, coincidental things, maybe even not much of a coincidence to be honest with you. So you've got the Road Grinders guys, who I talked about before, would be exiting soon, and I said it here on the podcast, you can look back, I don't know what day, I went on rants about that several times, about how they're not making money through affiliates anymore, and that their guys don't get paid very much, I've talked about it a ton. And they have exited and started their own site, which is Fanvice. And the guys that did it were the uh, pretty much the same guys that were going to join Daily Fantasy Circuit. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about Daily Fantasy Circuit here on the podcast. And I'm not going to go into too many details because I don't think I'm necessarily allowed. You might be saying, what did happen to the Daily Fantasy Circuit? I can't talk about that. I'm sorry. We have to wait until everything has finished itself up and it's wrapped itself up and we put a nice little bow on it and then we can discuss the circuit. But for right now, there will be no discussion on the circuit. But I can say this, that the Roto Grinders Exodus which is nothing new. We've seen it before, and I talked about that on the Daily Fantasy Fringe podcast before, that uh, some a lot of the elite talent or just the talented people at Roto Grinders who are entertaining and have been there for a while, they always exit out and move on to other things. We've seen this cycle for years, me being one of them. <laughs> You're not one of them. Anyway. The guys that are setting up fanvice.com or fanvice DFS, I don't know, there's not really a site right now, it's just a temporary site, but almost to a T, every single member were uh, one way or the other part of Daily Fantasy Circuit at a time. Um, most of the Roto Grinders faithful, looks well, like a Fast Eddie, Draft Cheat, I'm not sure about Emac, but I think so, they were pretty much in, in the talks of setting up Daily Fantasy Circuit. Um, all of them to differing degrees of interest, and some of them were very close to being in on it, but if you don't know exactly what happened at dailyfantasycircuit.com, but if you knew, you would see why, why certain things fell apart the way that they did. And so it's not really a surprise to me that when the circuit started to crumble, these guys said, well, I guess we're not gonna join the circuit. We're gonna have to find our own 
uh, plan because I think every one of them, and I know every one of them, had uh, been planning for at least a year to peace out from Roto Grinders. The problem was they just didn't have anywhere to land. There's nowhere to go. DFS content sites are drying up left and right, and it makes sense because there's no way to make money as a DFS content site. I mean, look at my site, for example. The beauty of my site, Daily Fantasy Notes or DFSNotes.com, is that I'm not really trying to make money. It's just a hobby. It's a place where I store things. It's just a thing that I do on the side, like playing guitar or recording music or playing video games. I take it seriously, just like I take all those other things seriously. Like, this dude takes playing video games seriously. Well, I like to win. I like to get better. I like to improve. If I'm playing disc golf or I'm playing basketball, I put, uh, you know effort into each shot and make sure that I'm improving a little bit. People say, well, what do you care? You're 33 years old. Why do you care if you're getting any better at basketball? Your days are numbered. I just, that's the way I go about things. Even if it's a hobby, I put forth fidelity and I um, really try my best to improve and become a better citizen of these United States of America. Anyway, back to what I was saying, that uh, the beauty of my size, I don't have to make money. It's pretty much... Low overhead. The only thing that costs me is time, and I have time for the most part. Not enough time to do a Daily Fantasy podcast anymore, but enough time to do it two days a week. So thanks for joining me here. But back to Fanvice. So what is it? How's it going to work? No one really has any idea. I do know that Draft Cheat, maybe Emac to a degree, and definitely Fast Eddie were really close to starting Daily Fantasy Circuit. Even more so, their web designer, Brian Rusty Nuts, seems like a pretty decent guy. I never really met him, talked to him several times. He, he likes my tweets. So if you like my tweets, you, you earn my good graces. And uh, he is the web designer for the road, for not Roto Grinders, but for Fanvice. And, and Rusty Nuts, I think he did DFS Bootcamp and he did Daily Fantasy Circuit. Now, there's a little bit of controversy involving him in terms of Daily Fantasy Circuit. And if you want to hear all about that, you can go to Gaby's got this like long serial podcast where he goes on and on about this stuff. And I've listened to a decent amount of it, and I lived through a decent amount of it. And a lot of that stuff is the things that I cannot talk about. Um, can't talk about that, and then some other going-ons. And so you can find your own opinion of Brian. For the record, I always said Brian was fine. He was clean. He didn't have anything to do with any wrongdoing. But if you want to get into that mess, which some of you might enjoy, then you can check out Gaby's podcast at uh, Fear of the Beard Media. I have no connection. I have connections to Gaby. We not going to talk about that either as well. I was almost thinking that Gaby probably is connected to this uh, Fanvice website. I don't think he is right now because of all the crazy stuff that he's got himself into, and he can't really join with those guys. But make it, it should be known and it should be clear that uh, these are Gaby guys. If you went to Roto Grinders, there's the talented, um, entertaining Gaby guys. Even though he didn't run Roto Grinders, but there was definitely two stables. There was the exciting, outside the box, unique guys like Emac, uh, Draft Cheat, Gaby, um, definitely Eddie, the guys that have flair. And then there's the other stable of nerdy, to the numbers, here's the way the plays are going to be. We're not really trying to do anything special. I'm going to talk about baseball batters, their splits, kind of what I do sometimes here, but I try to mix it up. But very much numbers-driven, I'm super smart, I don't have to entertain you, I spend all of my time researching. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a couple of those guys, like, I'll say again, STO cards, 
not a lot of humor involved when he does the show, but I think he has really good insight. But there's definitely two stables. There's definitely was a riff at Roto Grinders from everything that I know. I don't know if this is really insider information. Maybe it is. I don't think a lot of the, the fans in the forums know this stuff. Um, but you can see basically now it's incredibly clear. The guys that are still at Roto Grinders that have been there for a while, they're part of, you know, the vanilla stable. And then you've got the guys now that are gone, like Gaby, the guys that left years ago, like Tommy, and the guys that are leaving now, like Draft Cheat and Emac and uh, Fast Eddie, who are kind of the, the entertainment stable. They're gone. So what you got Roto Grinders are the old boring guys, and then they're trying to grow this new wave of talent. Which is just, you know, they're just throwing stuff out there and putting in whatever they can and trying to sell it off as like, oh yeah, this is still Roto road Grinders. This is what we've always had. No, it's not what you've always had. All of your entertainment, all of the people who have been there for years, are gone. They pieced out, they left, they started their own websites. So, like I was saying, I don't think that Gaby's probably too far behind when it comes to, I'm going a little bit longer. But I guess this is going to have a couple days. I mean, I don't have complete insider information, but if I were to guess. Um, knowing Gaby, it's that because of his negative publicity that he's garnered recently with some of his antics, his uh, quest of justice against fantasy draft, which is fine, right or wrong, I'm not really worried about it. I'm not judging him. It's fine. I, I didn't like it from a personal standpoint. I can understand from a public standpoint why it could be good, um, but I've never really thought ill of Gaby. I like Gaby, and he just... Gets a little tunnel vision at times. Whatever. That's outside. You can listen to his podcast and figure that out. But I, I believe that he's probably connected with these guys. If these guys were so close to joining Daily Fantasy Circuit and that fell through only because Daily Fantasy Circuit ran into several issues, um, then that means to think leads me to believe that he probably decided, well, my thing's dead. Maybe I can get in with these guys. Or they all work together, which is fine. But people are saying, well, why aren't you with them now, Gaby? Well, the problem is because he has garnered a lot of negative publicity. You've got the giant uh, January New York Times, a New York online article about how he uh, referred to the mass entry system as raping and pillaging, and people didn't like that too much. But he made some good points, and then he came up with the whole fantasy draft thing that he went on with the serial. If you can check out the podcast, and people thought, well, God, what's up with you, man? So he's got a lot of uh, negative attention lately, so it's probably not the best time for him to uh, hitch on to the Fan Vice website, but I guarantee that as things roll on, they're going to bring him around because in the end of the day, when all of this washes away and several things get settled for the Daily Fantasy Circuit, Gaby still is one of the biggest PR promotional mouths in the Daily Fantasy uh Industry, it's tons of Twitter followers. He pretty much made the Roto Grinders Twitter account. Roto Grinders Twitter account really didn't have anyone until Gaby pretty much took over their social media pre- pre- ugh, presence. And now I think it must have, I think it doubled like fivefold. Pretty insane increase in users and reach that Roto Grinders got because of Gaby. And he pieced out from Roto Grinders. Same reason that all these guys pieced out for Roto Grinders, and it's. Maybe a little bit of respect, but mainly dollar, dollar bills, y'all. They weren't getting paid enough, so they're going to start their own thing, which is the other question is how do you actually make money running a daily fantasy content site? The days of affiliate programs and making money off of signing up a whale and letting that guy just swoop up game after game after game and you taking the rake and taking the rake and taking the rake, those are gone. 
you can't make money. So I will assume that they're going to do paywall. They're going to probably going to do paywall articles and then have an open free show, which is cool. We could have two rival shows, which will be awesome. Roto Grinder is going to go up against Fanvice. I gotta believe them. And you got Eddie. You've got the entertainment portion of Roto Grinders. They're definitely going to, which is setting up Fanvice, and they're going to set up their own show. They have to. That is one of their strengths. We've got enough articles. There's enough free articles out there. Maybe they'll charge for some articles. I don't know how they're going to make money. I hope it's all free and they find a unique way to make cash via their connections. I am interested in seeing a rival show. That was one of the things that Daily Fantasy Circuit was going to try to do. But all the craziness happened was if you really want to strike at the heart of Roto-Grinders, if you can start to cut into the show, because the show is one of the few things that Roto-Grinders is still free and has decent information. The grind down... They've just, it used to be a real grind down. Now they throw in all these charts and write even less. And you read what they write, and it's like, all right, these guys are just reading the stats. They're not actually following these pitchers game by game, which is fine because doing that is incredibly hard. But uh, if you want to strike down Roto Grinders, if you want to, I don't even know why you would care anymore, knowing that they have already fallen pretty much on their sword a little bit. Not, you know, intentionally as you fall on your sword, but they, they're starting to hit hard times. So I don't know, unless you have this vindictive cause and you want to just take them out, then I guess now's the time. And they're going to start launch. I would imagine Fan Vice launches shows. This is if I were going to do their business model. I, don't, I won't even know how you would do their business model and how you make money. Affiliates, I don't know if they try to use the circuit idea to a small extent, which you could try to do the circuit. you got to tame it down. But you could tame, tame it, uh, lower it, lighten it a little bit the burden of the circuit so people want to play every single day and then mainly focus on football and you can see if anybody is getting ready to launch what two weeks right before the NFL three weeks NFL season starts perfectly time I don't think it's perfectly time but I, if I was fan advice I would want to launch a little bit sooner this seems rushed together this seems to me that these guys were probably going to be on the circuit launch had the circuit relaunched that's a whole nother issue of wait so the some of you might know by listening to Gaby's podcast, there was an issue with the Daily Fantasy Circuit. And that kind of resolved eventually, not maybe the way that Gaby wanted, but whatever, it resolved. Then a whole new issue cropped up, which I can't talk about. But the plan originally was for a relaunching, which would have happened probably right freaking now, actually probably a couple weeks before right now, for a major football season push, which means... Probably those fan advice guys were probably going to be a part of that major push. And it was going to be one of the big things that the circuit was going to push was entertainment. Still good written content, but entertainment to steal over the people from Rural Grinders and give them a choice, clear choice. You have the basic show at Rural Grinders, that's some of the bland talent, or you can go to fan advice, which will have all the exciting entertainment time talent with proven winners as well. I sound like a honk for Fanvice. I am not involved in Fanvice. I didn't even know Fanvice existed 24 hours ago. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I am really excited, actually, because I've been wanting to see if someone could compete with Roto-Grinders. And now is absolutely the perfect time to strike football season coming in. You've got an entertainment brand over there at Fanvice. Don't know if I like the logo. Don't know if I understand that. But I do get what they're pushing. They get this stupid video of a guy in a Corvette, Fast Eddie, and stupid stuff. It could be entertaining. I, I am, I've got my popcorn ready. I want to see how this plays out. Um, I, 
you know me. I'm always rooting for the destruction of the world. That's all I know right now. We'll keep you up to date on the DFS industry in terms of rotor grinders. Maybe I got some stuff wrong about rotor grinders. If I did and you are below rotor grinders, let me know. Tell me, tell me if I did it wrong. If you're out there for fan vice and you and you know that I got it wrong, tell me what I got it wrong. I don't really care if I got it wrong. These are just my theories and my my hypothesis. Who knows what's gonna happen? But uh, if you made me bet right now, Rotor Grinder still just has huge SEO placement and connections with the websites. It's hard to take them down. But if Fanvice can just steal 100 to 200 of their users daily, that is enough to get them moving early on. And you can slowly grow the product. If you can get 200 steady users every single day, especially getting them into the shows, word of mouth. A good forum will eventually start to cut into the Roto Grinders faithful. And then well, at some point, maybe we'll have a war. I'm really hoping for a war. God, let there be a war. Let there be jabs. Let there be bombs. Let there be knives. All of this. Please let this happen. I, I'm, I'm kind of jealous that I'm not involved in this, but I'm also really happy that I'm sitting on the sidelines watching this, like Nero playing my violin while the DF industry burns. This is awesome. Don't ask me to get involved. I'm not going to get involved. I promise. I swore I wouldn't get involved. I just want to watch this one. I think eventually, though, I want to have some sort of stake in the game. I don't know if I can sit this one out. I don't know. I got DFS notes. I kept my free hobby site. My <laughs> free hobby site sitting over here like, oh, anyone notice us over here? Anybody see us? Hey, we're DFSnotes.com. Hey, come check us out. Meanwhile... ESPN and Fox Sports are beating each other over the head with hammers. Let's talk about some daily fantasy baseball. That kind of went long. So how is the Daily Fantasy Fringe podcast going to work moving forward? Well, here's what's going to happen. There will be two podcasts a week at DFSnotes.com, or you can check it out on iTunes Stitcher, or iTunes Stitcher, iTunes Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio, that's the other one. Hopefully soon, Alexa starts playing the Daily Fantasy Fringe podcast. Who knows if that'll ever work? Freaking voice recognition. Anyway, the early week podcast, normally released on Monday, this week is Tuesday, but Monday, We'll talk about Wednesday night baseball and fringe-worthy things. Probably will go longer than the normal hour because we're doing one podcast, or two, only two podcasts a week. So early week, we will look at Wednesday baseball or when basketball season comes, probably Wednesday night basketball to give us one, two, three days of kind of getting ready, prepping, some quick ahead of time, looking, looking forward information. Something with a little bit more legs, right? Because of the old podcast, you got one day, boom, it's done. Got to go on the next one. And it allows me to build up more fringy type stuff. And then on Thursday, we will release the weekend podcast, which may talk baseball, basketball-ish. Possibly like Friday, Saturday night. It's up there. Uh, we will also start to focus on NFL and NASCAR because... but like I'm going to be doing NASCAR. Of course, I do the NASCAR videos at DraftKings. I will be creating NFL content as well. So if I'm doing the NFL content at DraftKings, I might as well talk some NFL here on the podcast, even though there are 5 million NFL podcasts, which we've talked about before, but maybe mine will be different. Hopefully, 
it won't just always be me. Maybe I'll bring other people on the Fantasy Fringe podcast. Tobin, Baker, probably not Baker. Baker might come on, but he, he's not going to talk about sports. What the hell does he know? Tobin thinks he knows a lot of football, but we'll see what he has to say. So there it is. Early week, we'll focus on baseball or basketball, depending on the season. And then the weekend edition, we'll definitely hit the NASCAR. We'll definitely hit NFL. Possibly college football. Fantasy Aces launches college football. Not sure where that stands right now. Google it. I can't go do that because I'm kind of a little busy at the moment. So there it is. Let me say it again. Early week, baseball, basketball. Weekend, football, NASCAR. Maybe some baseball, basketball. And then, of course, always fringe-worthy information. Let's get to the Wednesday, August 3rd Daily Fantasy Baseball Slate. That's right. We're releasing it early. And so we're talking about Wednesday, August 3rd third daily fantasy baseball i have a spreadsheet on the website that'll give you a heads up information to help you make the picks obviously we don't have lines at the moment we don't have lines for wednesday's slate tough whatever but we do have the matchups and from the matchups we basically can figure out what the line is on our own it's just the way it works if I can look at the two pitchers, I look at the park, I know what the line is, I have a pretty good idea of what the over-under is. So let's look at the Daily Fantasy Fringe podcast analyzing Wednesday. You got enough you got enough branding in there, man? Jesus, take it easy. All right, so let's look for the best fit. Since we can't just go straight to a money line, let's look for a really, really good fit. I'm seeing Tyler Anderson has a fit of three that is impressive. But he's pissing, pissing, pitching, pitching. I said pitching. Pitching in Colorado, which I don't want to have anything really to do with. But I am impressed by his FIP of threes. K numbers aren't that great. His average against isn't that great either. His whip isn't that great. He just seems to be limiting home runs, which seems to be unbelievable. Let me look that up. Why is Tyler Anderson's FIP so freaking low? A three FIP. He has to be limiting home runs, which doesn't make any sense. It, he is. 0.67 home runs per nine. That is impressive for a Colorado Rockies pitcher. His other numbers are pretty much average. 267 average against, a 128 whip. Not really that impressive. But that does lead to a low fit. He's doing everything he can to uh, keep his team in the game. I don't like him, though. Not in Colorado. Not with a full slate. We're looking pretty much at a full slate other than three afternoon games. And we'll scratch off the afternoon games, which are the Marlins at the Cubs, tossing it out the window. No big deal. The Nationals versus the Diamondbacks. So Max Scherzer is not in play. And then we're going to tie us up Junior Guerra versus Edwin Jackson and the Padres, which I imagine everyone listening is saying, good, didn't want to deal with that one anyway. Well, we're giving up a couple K potentials there, though. Uh, the Brewers game, you got a team that strikes out a lot. The Diamondbacks tend to strike out a good bit, and they're facing Max Scherzer, which compiles the numbers. But you don't have to worry about that. Because also it's played in Arizona, and Max tends to give up home runs. But you don't have to worry about it, because that's a day game, and we're not focusing on it. So let's look for a really low fit besides Tyler Anderson. There is one fit below three. That would be Johnny Cueto. And the San Francisco Giants have 279 fit. Eight Ks per nine. Not really a record setter, but uh, he keeps batters off balance and gets through games, limits hits with a 264 average against a... Well, it's actually lower than that, isn't it? 230 average against, 107 whip. 
and he's facing the Phillies. Now, I believe the last time he faced the Phillies, I'm going to double-check this, there was this time where he faced the Phillies at home. It seemed like, wow, Cueto is the man today. I believe he gave up like four or five runs in that start against the Phillies. I want to say late June was that matchup. I'm not going to read too much into, hey, the last time he faced the Phillies. But this time he's facing the Phillies in a ballpark. Uh, that was in the middle of his super hot streak, too. Well, not in the middle of it. That actually marked the end of a super hot streak where 12 of 13 outings or 12 of 14 outings, he limited teams to two or less runs. That's back when I was still doing the matchup breaks down, or was I doing Chase Fade on DKTV? I can't remember which one. I believe Chase Fade is going to come back for the NFL season. Hopefully it's the, the same cast of characters, especially me. Uh, in his last start, what did he do? Three earned runs, no earned runs in the one before that, four earned runs at San Diego. Really, July has been not that impressive of a month for Jenny Cueto. He did face uh, six earned runs in six innings. He got beat up pretty bad in that home start against the Philadelphia Phillies. Yes, I did remember that correctly. I wouldn't worry too much about that. I would say Johnny Quaid is still in play, even though he has struggled a little bit after All-Star break. He does tend to wear down a little bit. But I think he should be fine, to, to be completely frank with you. Let's see if we can find a better play, though, because Johnny Quaid is going to cost a lot of money. He's not necessarily at the best. He should have the best match if he's facing the freaking Phillies. But uh, we'll see. Quaid is definitely one of the guys that we're going to look at Wednesday night. Who else do we have that's got a FIP that's jumping out at me? Um, let's see. Cole Hamels, not too bad, nothing crazy about it. Steven Matz is all right. Facing the Yankees, not really world beaters, but it is in Yankee Stadium, and Matz has had his up and down moments. Uh, Jeff Block and Aaron Blair on full slate. I don't really need to have anything to do with that. Edison Volquez versus Jake Odorizzi. There's another one not really that crazy about. Tyler Duffy. I want nothing to do with Tyler Duffy against Trevor Bauer. Bauer's kind of a sneaky guy for the Indians who has pretty decent games. But the Twins, over the last two weeks, second best hitting team in baseball. Who needs Eduardo Nunez after all? If Bauer doesn't really light the scoreboard up for me the way that I want, he can have his down games. You have the White Sox, and Chris Sale is... What did he do in his game back, by the way? I know he had a tough matchup, I believe, against the Red Sox, wasn't it? Or did he not play the Red Sox in his last matchup? Uh, he is back, and he'll face the Detroit Tigers. Why is that control F not working? Sticky keyboard here, guys. What did Sale do in his return? Five games, Sale's here. Oh, he's against the Cubs when he came back. How did that Cubs game work out for... Mr. Sale. Yeah, he's facing Michael Fulmer, by the way, while I look this up. Detroit hard-throwing right-hander, I believe. He's pitched decently. Sale, though, two earned runs, six innings pitch, not bad. What did Sale do last time he faced Detroit? Three earned runs, seven strikeouts in seven innings. I believe he's got to face Detroit twice this year. We're deep enough in the season. Now he's only faced Detroit once, a pretty solid outing against them. We've got a lot of wins this year. Definitely not as hot as he once was. Had a horrible outing in July 8th against the Atlanta Braves. I don't really think I would take too much into that. Sales fine, but uh, have the Tigers' bats woken up any? Tigers' bats have. They're finally waking up here. They're the uh, first best over the last two weeks. Seventh best Wobe over the last week. 
her seventh best wove over the year. Yeah, actually, uh, the Tigers are the best over the last week, sixth over the last two weeks. Obviously, that's inflated by the last week, seventh on the year. So they're finally woken up from that bit of a slumber that they reached going into and coming out of All-Star break. Not really in love with Sale in that spot. He's got good numbers on the year, but he hasn't been that great lately. Fulmer actually has pretty comparable numbers. Their FIPs identical. Now, Sale gets one more K per nine at 8.61 compared to 7.7 by Fulmer. Averages against 217, 212, so basically the same. Whips, 103, 109, basically the same. But uh, Fulmer has a much easier matchup facing the White Sox, who are not hitting lately and have not hit all year. And they strike out about average, so do the Tigers. But Fulmer's going to be at home. A pretty neutral ballpark, which is actually a benefit considering the White Sox usually play in a hitter's ballpark. And their offense is ranked near the worst in baseball. So you take a offense ranked near the worst in baseball, and then you put them in a neutral towards pitcher ballpark, and they're even that much worse. So I would not rule out Michael Fulmer, especially if you can get Fulmer at a decent price. Probably can. I don't think he's that expensive on DraftKings or on um, uh, Rosters.com, by the way. If you're going to Rosters.com, if you are going to Rosters.com, talk to uh, Gaby. He will set you up with an account. Uh, well, not set you up your account, but he will get you 20 bucks. Boom, like that. Lickety split. You put in 10 bucks, he'll give you 20 bucks. That's his promotional deal. Hey, the affiliate programs are not dead. There are still affiliate programs out there. For a lot of these new websites that are launching, trying to compete with FanDuel and DraftKings, they have to go the affiliate route. They still have to institute these programs because they need users on the website. So Gaby is pushing rosters. And if you're wondering, what's FanDuel going to do? They're probably going to push one of these growing sites. Maybe it's going to be Fantasy Feud because I believe old Fast Eddie Fear has some connections at Fantasy Feud. So maybe they push that and push that hard. I know they've got NASCAR on that website. I wonder who their NASCAR guy is going to be. They haven't talked to me about it. No, no connections. I'm sure they'll get anybody. You can get anybody to do NASCAR. Anybody to do NASCAR. So anyway, Michael Fulmer. Let's find out what uh, Fulmer's price is. i got to hit show all. There's no way he shows up in the top 100. Maybe he is top 100. Fulmer. Of course, he's not showing up on my sheet. What's the deal? 9,300. Only one L in Fulmer for those. If you're, you're keeping track at home. Moving forward, we've got the Cardinals. Probably going to be a heavy favorite against the Reds in hitter's ballpark versus Cody Reed. Cody Reed's not awful. There's an endorsement right there versus Michael Walker. He's been pretty average. I don't know if I want Michael Walker, even though, I mean, eh, it may be possible. I doubt it. Not in the hitter's ballpark. Cody Reed, probably someone we can target. Definitely don't want to rush Marcus Strada versus Colin McHugh. McHugh's got some interesting numbers. He gives up a lot of hits, but yet his FIP is kind of low. He must be piling the strikeouts with an 8.64, definitely striking people out and keeping the ball in the ballpark, which is a nice little feat there. And Enron, Juice Box Minute Made. Is that what it's even called anymore? We'll just call it Houston. Versus Marco Estrada. I don't even know how many games Estrada's pitched this year. I'm going to have to look at Estrada. But right now on the surface, I'm seeing he's got a sub-4 FIP. That's okay. 8.36 Ks per nine. That's all right. 181 average against is intriguing, and a 101 whip is pretty solid as well that's maybe a possibility I want to look and see though how many games has old Marco Estrada pitched in 
this year because I think he missed some time for through injury. There's no way that uh, Marco Estrada is sustaining that type of batting average against and a whip in that little of or for for an entire season. Those are almost Cy Young type numbers. So let's look up old Estrada here. And I, I really think that he's only been back for maybe two starts. I hope I'm right. Because, boy, that would look bad if I was wrong. I'm supposed to know this stuff. Yeah, you're supposed to know this stuff. You're hosting the Daily Fantasy Fringe Podcast. Hell, he's been around all year. Jesus. All right. So, yeah, that looks bad for me. God, he's been pitching all year. I think he missed some time, didn't he? No, he didn't miss. Yeah, he missed a little bit of July. But not really that much. Wow. That is pretty impressive. The, his average against is pretty low. And his whip is pretty low. The problem that I am seeing is he's got a horrible ground ball to fly ball rate. 14 home runs in, uh, I mean, that's not awful home runs per nine. But it seems like, yeah, that's definitely what has hurt him this year is keeping the ball in the ballpark. The month of July or June, he gave up a home run in every single game. Basically, yeah, the home run ball has been haunting him. He hasn't given up a homer his last two. And he's pitched pretty well his last two. He's pretty decent. Not too bad. I can see Marco Estrada having a decent game. Strikeout numbers are okay, and the Astros tend to strike out. Depends on the price. Maybe Marco Estrada. Not that crazy. You got uh, Kinta Maeda. One of those favorite late-night plays. If you're playing late-night slates, Kintai Maeda is always there hanging out to help you out. He can throw some strikeouts. In his last start, though, he wasn't there to help anybody out. No, yeah, he was. He pitched all No, he pitched all right for five innings against, was it the Diamondbacks? I believe it was. Yeah, and he got through. Um, the thing with Maeda is he's, he's tough. He struggles against left-handed bats. And he lost against the Diamondbacks a couple weeks ago because Jake Lamb hit him with a tagged him with a double for an RBI and then tagged him for a home run later in the game. Other than that, he pitched well. Still didn't pitch good enough to win. Uh, then he faced the Diamondbacks again last Friday night. Got through most of the game, looking good, cruising. I believe he gets to the fifth inning, and they tag him for some runs, and then they beat the living hell out of the bullpen. And Maeda pitched pretty good game, but nothing to show for it. Well, he's going to the Rockies, so I'm not going to trust. Kinta Maeda and Ty Anderson's pitched well. Don't know if I want to take the risk on that with a full slate. Not a lot of good pitching going on. That's just the story, but that's been the story all year. Pitching is uh, scarce this season. Good pitching that you can believe in. And probably the best pitcher today that we usually can put all of our faith into. He's pitching in the day. Kendall Graveman in the athletics. I do not like Graveman. And he's going to be in Los Angeles against Jared Weaver. I do not like Jared Weaver. He's not doing much for me either. The Red Sox. Rick Porcello has been safe and stable facing the Mariners. Mariners are a pretty good hitting team, though. Do you really want to put Porcello up against the Mariners? Not crazy about that. Not crazy about that one either. It's just a stable, safe pitcher against, yeah. So, going through our pitchers. Jeez. There's a lot of mediocre to below average pitching today. Where would I go? Maybe I want to try to avoid some ballparks. I'm going to have to look at who's the worst offense at the moment. You probably are going to feel pretty safe with Johnny Cueto. Even though, as we said, Johnny Cueto struggled against the Phillies in his last outing. But it's the Phillies. Every once in a while, a pitcher has a bad game and hitters come alive. 
It just happens. He gave up a lot of hits. I don't know what kind of hits they were. They might have been bleeders. I don't know if it was hard contact in that matchup. Um, well, let's look at that. Why not? we got time here on the show. We can look up and see what happened in that last outing, Cueto. Did they, did they bleed you to death? Because if they bled you to death, then Johnny Cueto becomes number one most favorite play on the board. If they got a lot of hard contact, then there's a little bit of a, more of a question mark. But still, pitchers have bad games every once in a while. And Cueto has struggled a little bit lately. But we got to go somewhere, and the pickings are slim. Now, if you don't want to spend up for a pitcher, then I would easily say, no, you don't need to spend up for Johnny Cueto. But let's look and see how did this Philadelphia game on June 26th at home go. Did they hit him hard, or was he bled to death? Um, he started the game out, allowed only one run through three innings, and then in the fourth gave up two, and then the fifth gave up two more. And that's the way I believe it went down. I think the Giants ended up winning that game. Hey, how about that? Who cares? <laughs> let's look and see what kind of hits we're giving up. Should I go by play-by-play? -play? Yeah, let's go with plays. So I'm going to look through the plays here. Something really deep digging into daily fantasy baseball when you're looking at the plays. Tommy Joseph, sacrifice fly in the first, scored a run. And this is probably not the best way. Maybe not the best way to do it. No, I just actually I want to just look at the hits. Yeah, let's go back to the box score. Not look at the scoring plays. Just look at the box score. A lot of hits. Basically, one through seven got hits on the game. That's well, actually yeah, one through seven all hit. Gave up one, two, two doubles. He gave a home run in the seventh inning, solo shot, I believe, and that was the final straw. Probably running on fuse at that point. But other than that, singles. He got singled to death. I'm not that crazy. I don't, I'm not worried about Cueto. He gave up a home run. That was in the seventh inning. He gave up a double. Actually, that was in the... He gave up a double, and he gave up another double to Tommy Joseph. So not a lot of extra base hits. He got bled to death. A lot of times that's because Johnny Cueto is just getting lazy and not completely finishing a batter off, taking things for granted, just trying to get an early out which he'll do sometimes, and he'll let people get a little bit better contact than they should on a ground ball. I think Cueto is a fine play on Wednesday night. Probably the best cash game play. He's going to cost you. Still kind of circling around Michael Fulmer as a possible play. Let me see what Fulmer has done lately. I believe at one point it was like 8-1 of his last 9 or 10 starts. So let's pull up old Michael Fulmer. I used to know a guy named Fulmer. Used to know who cares if you knew a guy named Fulmer? That doesn't really matter. What the hell am I even listening to? Uh, Fulmer has not won his last three starts. He didn't lose those either. But uh, if you go back, I mean, on the season he's like what eight and two, something like that, six and two, seven and two. Not bad, looking pretty decent. Last start, seven two thirds, three earned runs. Give two home runs, but still for only three earned runs. And that was against Boston at Boston. That's a pretty impressive outing. Seven and two thirds, pitching in the eighth inning to Boston. Only three earned runs. I like that a lot. Against the White Sox the game before that, he allowed four earned runs. Home run, five innings pitched. That's pretty tough. Hitter's ballpark. That one's a little disappointing. Great against Kansas City. Eight innings, two earned runs. Good against Cleveland. Six innings, one earned run. Seven shutout innings against Tampa. Um, the month of June, he only allowed two freaking earned runs. How about that? <laughs> Dang, he's on fire in June. 
May, so-so, but you could see in May, towards the middle of May and out of May, these last three starts in May, he kind of started to turn around. Didn't pitch in April. I like Fulmer a lot. I'm really, I mean, just flat out looking at the numbers on paper, it seems like a really good spot for him. And he's facing the... Who's he facing? He's facing the Chicago White Sox, who ain't hitting nobody. Chicago White Sox aren't hitting anybody. I like Michael Fulmer. Am I going long enough today? So, what about other pitchers? Is there anybody else that I really want to dig into? Hmm, looking through. This is my cold reading through the Daily Fantasy stats. Michael Walker, for some reason, is intriguing me. No, no, no. That's a great American ballpark. No way. Marco Estrada, I'm possibly considering. Possibly considering. I'm not really worried about the Astros. Mm, don't like it. Don't love it. I think, uh, well, let's look at Steven Matz. Steven Matz against the Yankees. Maybe I'm missing something here. Steven Matz versus the Yankees. Ivan Nova is his counterpart, and Ivan Nova is not good. <laughs> to say the least. Loves giving up home runs and he's pitching in a home run ballpark. So, Steven Matz is a lefty. First thing I do want to check is how do the Yankees fare against left-handed pitching? Anyone taking guesses? I think they got a lot of lefties in their lineup, so I want to say below average. Got 50-50 chance, you know, when you say below average. We'll see. The Yankees against left-handed pitching, well below average. They are the third worst team in baseball against left-handed pitching. Uh-oh, we found ourselves another play. You got Steven Matz. Now let me make sure that Steven Matz is rolling right along. I know he went through a little bit of a spell earlier this season. Hopefully he's gotten his act together. Let's pull it up. Matt's in the Mets trying to crack into the playoffs. The newly acquired Jay Bruce. It may be a little... Too little, too late. But we'll see. All right, so Matsy, what you been doing lately? I like Matt's early in the season. A couple times he was in my DraftKings video. Maybe once or twice talked about him. But uh, let's see here. Matt's in the month of June. Gave up 10 hits in his last game. Ouch, against Colorado. But he only allowed two earned runs. 10 hits are going to hurt your fantasy team. But he did really wiggle off of the hook. And that's a pretty good hitting team. His game before that against Miami, four hits, no one runs. Uh, struggled against the Cubs, but was good against Washington. Decent against Miami, decent against the Cubs. Then he had another bad game at Atlanta, but before that. And I remember, I think I, I circled him on, I loved him against Atlanta because they don't really hit lefties. They don't really hit anybody. But other than that, Matz has got about three bad games this year. And the rest of the time, been pretty solid. I like Matz as well especially against the Yankees team, doesn't really hit very well and doesn't hit left-handed pitching. So, clear up our baseball analysis of the day. Steve Matz, Michael Fulmer, Johnny Cueto. Anybody else? It's still early. I mean, you've got all Wednesday to look over your plays. If you want to really go out there with the GPP play, um, Jake Odorizzi maybe against a... Royals team that doesn't hit very well. I have to look at Oyarizzi's numbers recently. Not so crazy about that. Mm, anything else you want to? No, I, I think you just move on. Let's see if we can find some splits that we can jump on hitter wise.
to wrap up the Daily Fantasy French podcast. I thought you were going to start going longer than an hour. We will probably go longer than an hour here on the podcast for the weekend show where I talk NASCAR, where we talk football, and maybe a little baseball and basketball, and even have like uh, some Baker or somebody come on. I don't have any Baker conversations. I didn't record any conversations with my dad. Could have. I, wa- I went back to Ohio this weekend, and while I was there, really weren't doing anything. He can't really go out and do stuff. At the moment, so we just hung out in the house, and towards the ending, evening on a Sunday night, there's never anything to do. So we watched Sharknado 4, and he was highly critical of Sharknado 4, um, constantly picking at the plot and the realism. He didn't seem to have a problem at first with a dust storm filled with, tor- with sharks um, killing people. He did have a problem with a part in the plot where um, they're on top of a building in a car, and somehow they drop the car off the building, probably 100 stories or more. But by opening the car door, they kind of like use it to change the wind, like fly it, almost surf it. And then they somehow, like, I don't even know exactly what they did. If they got connected into the tornado and then just softly landed on the ground. He didn't believe it. He's like, ah, oh, that's enough. That's ridiculous. You could never land that car. Yeah, well, you probably couldn't land the car. And you probably couldn't have a Sharknado before that, but hey, Sharknado, that's realistic, but dropping the car off the building and landing it is just too much. And then he pondered the question of, how come other sea creatures don't get swooped up into the Sharknado? What's the deal with that? And I really don't have an answer for you, Don. I don't know why that is. Um, You probably need to stop asking so many freaking questions. The normal question is, hey, what celebrity is that that just died? Or who's that guy? Or why do I vaguely remember that person? That's the typical question when you're watching Sharknado. No, I am. He's really critical of the plot and uh, the farce that it is. Eventually, he's like, all right, I kind of get this. And had a little fun with it. But we did not make it through the whole film. Anyway, that's your Don conversation here. Let's get to some splits actions. Uh, I do want to mention the ballparks. Since we don't have over-unders yet, we might as well talk about the ballparks. What ballparks are in play today? So you have a hitter's ballpark in Camden Yard to open up the series. That will be, uh, I don't know if they open the series, but open up the night. You have Yankee Stadium is in play. You have the Phillies, which is in play. Probably not as exaggerated as the other ones. And then I would jump to the Reds, and then the Astros, and then you also have Colorado. A lot of hitters' parks in play today, a lot of poor pitching in play today. Maybe best to save on pitching, not go with Cueto. Maybe came in Ford, Mats, or Fulmer. You may have to go even cheaper. Boy, I, I probably should have given out another guy that's even cheaper, but I'm not seeing a guy that jumps out as like super cheap that is not going to get his head bashed in. Um, I could probably go back through and look, and I'm doing that at the moment, and I'm not seeing a guy that's going to save you a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, so let's go into some splits. First thing I'm going to look at is hard contact. Let's look at hard contact versus lefties and then try to find someone who not only has hard contact against lefties, allows a lot of it, but also has a high whip and a high fip. Now you always have to look when they have a high whip, that could be because they walk people too much, which is good, but we prefer they give up more hits than walks. Hard contact to lefties, none other than... Oh, sorry. It is Trevor Bauer. 
facing the Twins. And the Twins' second-best hitting team in baseball over the last couple weeks. But his FIP to lefties, 3.2. His whip, 1.12. Doesn't give up a lot of contact. So he's given very little contact to begin with. And so, yeah, he gives up hard contact. But if you think about it in terms of his overall... He may give up 41% hard contact, but that could be like five or six hits compared to someone else who has a lower percentage but has given up 13, 20, 40 hard hits. Not necessarily love with that number. Junior Guerra, 39% hard contact, but again, his FIP's not bad and his whip's not bad. Not really needing to target that so much. Ivan Nova, though, 37.7, a 5.52 FIP. To lefties, 138 whip to lefties. I like it. I definitely think you can go with Mets left-handed bats. And who other than Jay Bruce jumps to mind, right? Jay Bruce, lefty, hitter's ballpark, short porch and right, coming on the scene for the Mets, trying to help them get in the playoffs and you know really establish himself. Gotta love Jay Bruce against Ivan Nova on Wednesday night. Cody Reed, this is strange, he is a lefty. Doesn't have a lot of gains under his belt, so the sample size is small, but it's big enough now that we can, it's been pitching for over a month, that we can start to read into these numbers. And against lefties, his whip is almost two, hard contact 36%, FIPS 403, not awful. Uh, maybe he's given up too many walks to lefties, but uh, definitely wouldn't rule lefty on lefty for the Cardinals. Not in love with it. But would not rule it out. He's much, uh, he's worse than his righties. I mean, his whip is high to everybody. But righty Cardinals are probably going to be your best bet there. Looking through, let's see if you can find anybody else that's really dramatically bad against lefties. Let's uh, not see anything yet that jumps off the board. Looks like most of these guys are pretty solid against left handed pitching. Uh, until you get to Aaron Blair. 617 FIP against lefties. 191 whip. He's only got 29% hard contact, which is fine. I mean, it's pretty decent size. Not super hard contact here, but 617 FIP, 191 whip to lefties. Got to get on the board with the Pirates lefties versus Aaron Blair, which project. Anybody else struggling against lefties? We flip through here. Jared Weaver. Weaver stinks against everybody, so I'll write it down. But you can take anybody for the athletics against Jared Weaver. Anybody, because he stinks against both sides of the plate. Maybe you can find a guy, a left-handed bat, that really likes hitting righties, which is pretty normal. Not that crazy there. Uh, Edwin Jackson. So you can take the Brewers lefties. Hello, Ryan Braun. No. No. Ryan Braun is not a left-handed bat, is he? He's a right-handed bat. He hits lefties well, though. Blue Jays. Now, maybe he is left-handed bat. What the hell am I doing? My brain is all scrambled up. I got to look that up. Braun's a right that hits lefties. That's what I was thinking. So, not hello, Ryan Braun. But hello, Brewers left-handed bats, whoever they have left. Uh, they lined up last night. I took uh, late night on wrestlers.com. I had a ton of salary left over because I took Jared Cozart. Like, why are you taking Jared Cozart? Well, I thought he was borderline decent play salary-wise compared to the late night pitchers. But when the Brewers released their lineup without Ryan Braun, they traded away Jonathan Lucroy. It was a must-play with Jared Cozart on my part. I mean, you look, they had no one in line. They had Jonathan VR starting, and then pretty much from there on, like, I'm not afraid of Scooter Jeanette. I'm not afraid of Newenheis. 
those guys, the lineup was just weak, and Cozart pitched well. Got into a bases loaded jam, but got out of it with a double play against Chris Carter. Chris Carter's fine, but another guy that doesn't really scare me too much. All right, back to what I was talking about. Chris, no, no, no. All right, so as far as lefties, that's our left-handed bats. Let's jump to the righties. To the right, to the right, to the left. To the, we already did the left. We don't need to go back to the left. We're going to go do the right now. Okay. By the way, I have ignored Jeff Locke because he's not showing up on my sheet. His stats have not accumulated, so but he's facing the Braves, so who really gives a you-know-what? Big-time Phipps to right-handed pitching. Cody Reed, so that means we want the cards, especially the cards, right-handed bats against the lefty in a hitter's ballpark with a candlestick in the book suppository. Depository. Not suppository, depository. I should have just said in the library. Whatever. Mrs. Scarlet did it. And the Cardinals are scarlet red. How is this all coming together? Anyways, Phipps, 651, 176 whip, 41.9% hard contact. Facing the best hitting team in baseball. Stack, 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 stack cards. I don't care if it's left side or right side. They both hit, but the right side is a premium play on the night. Love it. And then you get the worst bullpen in baseball. Cardsies on Wednesday. Stack away. And that being said, I think that gives a little bit of a bump to Michael Walker if he can get him cheap because he's going to get a ton of run support. And he's going to face a Reds team that maybe, I mean, they're down Jay Bruce. He's gone, so there's a little less pop in that lineup. Tyler Duffy against righties, struggling. 634 fit, 177 whip, 36.4 hard contact. Another, I mean, I like when I see hard contact above 35%. I really like it. Like it to be above 40. That's amazing. Don't see that so much, though. Duffy, the Duffster, facing the Indians. So I like Cleveland, right handed bats. What I don't like is that they're playing in Cleveland and home runs to left field from a right handed bat, much tougher with that mini monster wall out there. Um, just to double check, one of the things we have on the spreadsheet, which I guess I'll place on dfsnets.com is the ballpark factors for each stadium, home runs to righties and lefties. And Cleveland is not necessarily a funky place, but in terms of home runs to lefties, pretty solid at a 106, like the lefties in Cleveland. But at 95, pretty below average home runs to righties. Love the lefties in Cleveland. Tough on the righties. But today is a better matchup in Cleveland for the righties. You could probably take a risk. You can probably, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would stack. It's still possible to stack, considering there's going to be bazillions of lineups. You know how that works. All right. We've got uh, Kevin Gausman. No, it's Gausman, son of a, it's Gausman, like a gauze that you wear. I always want to say Gausman. I've gotten it reversed in my head. Can't flip it, turn it over, and get it right. Gausman, Kevin Gausman. Pitching against the Rangers, pretty solid hitting team. Love the Rangers right-handed bats because Gosman is a 6'12 FIP, 156 whip, 29.4 hard contact. Pitching in a hitter's ballpark. Gosman's been pretty solid on the year, but boy, I, don't know. I would definitely take some Rangers righties. Got a lot of matchups here today, a lot of opportunities here. I haven't even talked about the freaking Rockies. We haven't even talked about the Rockies, and the Rockies are always in play in a hitter's ballpark, the premier hitter's ballpark. Aaron Blair against righties. 
583 FIP. Almost as bad as his whip to lefties. FIP to lefties. 162 whip and 28.9% hard contact. Pirates, pirates everywhere. Lefties, righties. Guy like the Pirates stack possibly here. I'm going to give the edge to the Cardinals in the hitters ballpark. This is Great American Ballpark. Nothing. I mean, early August, late July, it's so hot in Great American Ballpark, the fireworks start. That ball just flies out of that stadium. Uh, Jared Weaver obviously is sucks against both sides of the plate. Edwin Jackson, as we mentioned, stinks against both sides of the plate, which means you can take either side of Brewers. So yeah, Ryan Brewer is Ryan Braun, Mr. Brewer, is back in play. So if you're scoring at home, Brewers, lefties, or righties, not much of a difference. Um, seems like though the righties get a little bit more pop off Edwin Jackson, 37.5%. Problem is there, you're playing in San Diego. San Diego is tough for righties to home runs. It's a below average park. Against lefties, though, it's actually an above average park in giving up home runs to lefties. One of the things you need to know about the individual stadiums, Petco, yeah, it's a pitcher's ballpark. But if you really cut it down and look at lefties versus righty splits, righties, it's a tough park on them. Lefties, not bad at all. Little nuances that you need to know. So I would give the edge to right or left-handed bats by the Brewers, even though I don't think they really have any strength lefty-wise. But that could give you some contrarian outside the box GPP or maybe even some budget plays in that situation. Uh, Weaver, pitching the ballpark, is pretty tough on everybody. Um, Oakland, like I mentioned earlier, not just lefties, but also the righties against Weaver. Weaver tends to give up home runs. You can chase a home run in this one maybe with, uh, I don't know, Marcus Simeon, possibly... Oh, who else? Who else? Who else? Blanking in my mind. Whatever. <laughs> Only Oakland Athletic jumping into my mind. Yee. Work on your Oakland Athletics knowledge. We talked about the athletics a lot on the Daily Fantasy French podcast last week, too. But hey, what are you going to do? That's the way it goes. Um, stinkers. Who else is stinking? Zach Godley. He's been all right lately. His numbers are actually that didn't he have a really bad game against the Dodgers? Pitched okay, and then the Dodgers really laid it on him. So, or maybe that was the Dodgers bullpen. I think Godley actually pitched pretty well in his last game against the Dodgers. Turned it over to the bullpen after that long inning where uh, Maeda got blown up and the Dodgers blew up. Maybe it was Godley, but I think Godley's pitched pretty well over late. His pips not bad, but his whip's kind of up there. I don't know. He's pretty average against both sides. All right, so there's my split. So to close the show out, I do want to go back and look at a walk a walk walk a flock of flame here, because I believe Walk is going to get a lot of run support facing the the Reds who should beat or the the Cardinals facing Cody Reed the lefty who should get smashed around at home of Great American Ballpark. And you got to realize that uh, the Reds are down one of their stars with Jay Bruce out of the lineup. And that's a huge hole. Yeah, they're going to sub a guy in. It's Great American Ballpark, but that's not just something you... I, I'm definitely targeting that right now. I think that is an easy thing to target. All right, so looking at old Waka. What has Waka done lately? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Basically nine quality starts in a row. Yeah, I'll take that. Michael Waka is on the board. So let's close the show out with a conclusion on pitching. I don't want to spend up on pitching tonight too much because I think there's too much hitting to go after. But 
because you're able to stack, you may be able to build some cheaper lineups and get a good enough pitcher. Now, I don't see any pitcher on the board costing way too much today, but you, I'm favoring hitting tonight. This is going to be a hitting night. There's going to be some big scores on the board, and you're going to have to have, if you want to win at least some GPP. And if you want to do well in cash, you definitely need to have some decent hitters as well and just good enough pitching. This is not a night that I'm seeing as where i got to get all my pitching points. I need just enough pitching points and hit the hitters. So Cueto is probably too expensive. He looks like the safest cash play, but it depends on his price and how your lineups construct around him. Then your next step down, probably Mats and Fulmer, both with decent matchups, who have been pitching well. Um, Mats is in a pitcher's ballpark, or hitter's ballpark. Fulmer in a neutral park. And then you got Waka, who would be more of my GPP guy, facing the Reds, who are in a bad spot. Lost Jay Bruce, and Waka's going to get a lot of run support. He's been a quality pitcher, basically, in the last nine. And I say basically because I think one of those, he didn't go very deep into the game. Has he faced Cincinnati this year? That's a good question. Has Waka faced Cincinnati? He's probably faced him and got beaten up. No, yeah, he did. Uh, he faced him at home way back April 7th. Six innings, seven hits, but only one earned run. Three runs, but two of those were unearned. So that wraps up our pitching. And going to my sheet, if you wrote these down, if you didn't write them down, here we go. Mets, left-handed bats. I like them, especially Jay Bruce. Pirates, left-handed or right-handed bats. Possible stack, doesn't matter. Against, who is it they're facing? Aaron Blair. Uh, Oakland, lefty or righties. Got the, our old favorite Jared Weaver on the mound against them. The Brewers, lefties or righties against Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson hasn't been awful. It really hasn't. He pitched decent against the Reds. Actually, I think he gave up six runs against the Reds. Yeah, that is right. He's been okay. Not necessarily someone I definitely want to attack in a hitter's ball or a pitcher's ballpark. I give favor to lefties, but I don't think the Brewers really have solid left-handed bats. Not that I'm aware of. Unless Jonathan VR is lefty. No, he's not. He's a righty. And cards, cards, cards everywhere. Righties, lefties. Get as many cards in your lineup as you can. Great American Ballpark events. The lefty, Cody Reed, who's been struggling. Cleveland's right-handed bats should fare well against Ivan. No, they're not facing Ivan Nova against Tyler Duffy. Uh, Tyler Duffy's not that great against lefties either. So, eh, he's actually decent against lefties. But you could take him. The only problem is hard to get home runs from right-handed bats in Cleveland. And then Rangers right-handed bats facing is it Kevin Gausman. Gausman, damn it. Gausman, Kevin Gausman. And a hitter's ballpark. Um, if you made me pick, my favorites, cards and then Jay Bruce. Cards and Jay Bruce. Love it. All right, that's it for the Daily Fantasy French Podcast. So, as we said, we're going back down to two days a week. Interested to see what's going to happen with this fanboy stuff. I, I'm probably going to talk a lot more because I'm intrigued. I love the battle. I love the rivalry. And I'm sure they're going to be nice to each other. A lot of guys have separated from Roto-Grinders, and they've stayed on good terms with Roto-Grinders. But those were back in the days when Roto-Grinders was the rulers of the universe or the masters of the universe, and you really did not want to poke the bear. No one wants to spit on the grave, well, not spit on the grave, or uh, say the Lord's name in vain. But now, Roto-Grind is still a big site, still popular, still a lot of users, but it's a different feel. Um, not a lot of guys are there. There's a paywall. The shows have kind of dropped down. Still got a lot of shows, but the shows are not the shows that they once were. I don't even know if they're gonna, how they're going to have these shows because a lot of the guys just quit or running a lot of those shows. We'll see what will happen there. Um, 
Will there be animosity? Will this be acrimonious? I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I think the... Uh, I don't know. Maybe the Noto Grinders Twitter handle will chime in. Who knows how this thing could work? I think they're all going to play safe and fair and not acknowledge each other as much. Roto Grinders, worst thing they can do, and I've mentioned this before, is to acknowledge these competitor sites because you just give attention and you lead people over to those sites and give them give your users a chance to, hey, let me check this site out, and then you check the site out and you say, hey, I actually like this better, and then you start going to that site and stop going back to Roto-Grinders. It's really easy. I mean, look, if I'm a customer at a pizza place, you get in your creatures, you become a creature habit, and you shop there often, and it takes a lot to change you. It's not really easy for me to walk into another pizza place or go to another store and change brands, but on the internet, it's a lot like the grocery store. On the internet, it's really easy for you to say, you know what, I like this DFS site now. I'm going to start going to this one. And you may have done it yourself. You used to go to one site, and now you saw this other site. And now you just, before you even know it, you were visiting another Daily Fantasy site every day instead of the one that you used to visit. And so Roto-Grinders is completely aware of that. And they're aware that if another site makes enough of a dent, they can pull people over. And people just say, yeah, I'm going to go here now. I'm going to go here. I like the information here. I like the entertainment here. It's really quick. It's like at the grocery store. Maybe you're going and buying beer, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to try this beer. And then before you know it, you start drinking that beer every time, even though you used to drink something completely different. Or you're like, maybe if you're underage, and we don't want to talk about alcohol, pizza. Like, um, you know, maybe I don't want DiGiorno. Maybe I'm going to try Freshetta. Maybe I'll try Red Baron. Next thing you know, you're like, hey, this Red Baron's a lot cheaper, and it tastes about the same. And you just always buy Red Baron from here on out. Or that same thing with ice cream. That's the way it works. The internet DFS sites are a lot like a grocery store. And you have to make sure that people are always going to your product. And what Roto Grinders has been so good at is when you go to the pizza case, there's only one freaking brand of pizza. And they've every single door you open or every single little freezer that you look into, it's all the same pizza. Now... What happens is you might have a different kind of pizza on the shelf, and people have a second option. And once they have a second option, just by sheer numbers and statistics, some people are going to start to choose the other option. I don't know how worried Grinders is. They've got all kinds of inside information. They, I would like to think that they know what they're doing. They've been around for long enough that they know what they're doing. But then again, at the same time, a lot of times people at the top get fooled themselves and think that, well, we'll never fail. We're not going to lose. We always win. This will work out. People are just going to stick with us. That's the question. Will people stick with Rotor Grinders this time? And I say this time. Really, there's never been a serious threat. So come on, fan vice, Turn up the heat. Let's have some fun. See you guys next time. God, I went to Ohio and the only thing that happened was I got bug bites.